Welcome to the Emetophobia Podcast. Today on the podcast, we had a wonderful guest. Her name is Laura Desiree. Uh, you can find her on Instagram at Laura X Desiree. She's also a member of the Naked News team at nakednews.com if you want to check her out over there. Um, she does this um, talk called the Red Umbrella Talk, and that's on Instagram at redumbrella.talk. She also has a podcast called Licked and Loaded. It's on Cam4 Radio. So if you go on Instagram and type in um, Cam with the, with the number four radio, you can find her podcast over there. Check her out. It's an adult podcast, just so you know. And uh, she lives in New York. Really, really, really good talk on this podcast. We got, we covered so many topics and um, we really got down to business about emetophobia and there's just so much value in this one. So definitely worth a listen. Make sure you go follow her. Uh, the links for her stuff will be down in the show notes below, and we hope you enjoy the podcast. Hi, it's nice to meet you. Good to meet you too. Yes, awesome. No, this is a very exciting episode for sure. I was I scanned through your, your Instagram a little bit. And I saw that you're a very interesting person for sure. Very yeah, interesting. I, I I seem to do so many things, including living with emetophobia. So I, I the minute I saw that your project, your podcast, this entire opportunity existed, I have to say that there was this incredible amount of relief that set in to know that this is a community and not just one person with a strange hang up in the world. Yes, yes, <laughs> for sure. No, that's a big deal. And I think a lot of people don't realize that at first they think they're just like stuck in this little thing with themselves and that nobody else has this. And then like, I, you have no idea how many messages every day I get that are like, I didn't even know there was other people that had this. And I'm like, yes, there's totally. a whole community. Like, come join us. It's great. Like, let's totally. talk about this. I love it awesome. so much, but, but yeah, for anyone who does find me on Instagram, little background check for everybody. I, I host a web series called naked news. They've been on the air for 20 years. I've been hosting the show for uh, about five years now, and it's exactly what it sounds like. So I work usually in the nude. Uh, I'm a podcaster as well on a radio network called cam four. And yeah, I, I do a lot of journalism around human sexuality. So I'm very aware of body responses and and the the endless opportunities within how our body can react to certain experiences. And this is one that was always confusing to me. <laughs> yeah, no, I can imagine for sure, for sure. So let's uh, get into it a little bit and just maybe tell your story on emetophobia, how it became a thing of your life. Absolutely. Uh, like so many of us during this pandemic, when everything shut down, I was living in Toronto at the time, but I'm now based out of New York City. Um, I realized when everything went, went radio silence that I started experiencing more panic attacks than ever before. I'd never been an anxious person. I had been told there's depression there, but never anxiety to this level. And um, emetophobia itself, I find, is a condition for me that comes and goes in eras of my life. And mm -hmm. when this anxiety kicked up, I was revisited with all of this fear that, oh my goodness, I'm gonna be sick. I haven't been sick in over 20 some odd years. So people listening, it can be done. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, um, I felt all of this 
newfound level of panic in my body. And I think it's, um, I think, like I said, a lot of us have felt that. So I immediately decided it's time to start talking with a therapist again. And I came clean and I said, look, every time I'm feeling one of these panic attacks, I immediately go into this fear that it's going to become this loss of control, ultimately a getting sick moment. I thought every time the anxiety would come on because that feeling in the body can be quite reminiscent or what I believe to be, I'm going to be sick. You mm -hmm. know, you start, uh, you feel the tension. Um, you feel like your body is making the decisions for you and there's that loss of control, right? So yes, I, I yes. started, I started working with a therapist and we went down this journey of understanding uh, complex PTSD, which was something I'm kind of new to identifying with. So, um, you know, like I said, I've, I've had a whole lifetime of this fear of being sick and this emetophobia, which is such a new phrase for me. It's like maybe two years old in my, my knowledge. Yeah. Um, I, I grew up with uh, a very challenging childhood experience when I was 10 years old my mother died and mm. it was a long drawn out five years battling cancer. And during mm. that time I was, you know, between the ages of five and 10. So in that time I was exposed to being in hospitals a lot, uh, answering to a lot of adults saying, are you okay? Are you, are, are you, are you handling this? All right. How is everything? Are you okay? But also at the same time saying you're so strong. Mm -hmm. You're so impressive. And psychologically, I realized uh, as a young person hearing that, you begin to condition yourself to say, okay, well, what continues to get the praise is to stay silent about your hurt, about your pain, about your fears. Bottle it, swallow it, keep it mm. inside of you. So there's that emotional control. And um, I think also, you know, parallel to that, being in hospitals and being around people that are sick. I mean, I saw a lot of things that a young person would be rattled by a human being would be rattled by anyone. Sure, yeah. Um, you know, and so that uh, became a fear for me. That became a fear for me of, of being sick and of losing control and, uh, and not knowing if it's going to negatively impact people around me. I'm not worried about someone around me getting sick. Um, mm -hmm. I'm worried about me and it causing a chaos or a panic in people around me. Got you. Yeah. I never thought about it that way. Um, we're, we're often as kids taught that to keep things inside and bottle things up, that's strong. But in all reality, that's kind of a negative thing. And it's, it's kind of weak in a way where you, you have to make yourself vulnerable and talk to people about the problems so that it makes it in your mind, not such a big deal. You know what I mean? Cause when you just think about it all day and night, it becomes the only thing you can think about. And that's for me, I think eight years of my life, I spent indoors, just scared, chewing gum all day and night. I was on my wow. phone playing like stupid phone games so I could just like get my mind off of being sick. I was eating crackers and peanut butter all day and night, like just feeling terrible. So it's like now that I've looked back and I was like, no wonder I felt terrible. I was not sleeping, not eating right. And I wasn't doing anything I was supposed to be doing to take care of myself. And there's no like right. there was nothing I was doing that would make me feel good. So it's just kind of crazy right. to think about. Yeah, it's, it's, we, we do build that, um, we set ourselves up for that in a way, you know? So it's mm -hmm. like, once you can identify that cycle, try to rewrite it, try to take a different turn instead of falling headfirst back into that rotation. Cause there is opportunity for you to see things from another perspective or live, uh, in a very different reality. And so, like I said, it comes and goes my, 
my my handling of this, but I do have I do own the emetophobia manual. Okay. Wow, I never That's, seen that before. That's awesome. Real. You've never been in such a desperate low that you go online trying to find any manual to help you. See, out. my whole thing, I've always gone just right to Reddit. That's where I always go. It's like I oh. type in a question into Reddit or into Quora or just Google something random and it comes up with a random website. But I never, I'm not a big book reader myself personally, yeah. but yeah. Um, I've been seeing a lot more books lately and I might end up getting a couple because I like to just read them just for ideas for podcasts or maybe a way that I can explain things better because sometimes it's hard to explain because what works for me doesn't always work for everybody else. So it's kind of cool right. to have a different mindset. That's right. on it, but. I, I also found that when I first started researching um, what this is, when I learned the term itself, um, you know, you, you start to see, well, what are the opportunities or the paths for healing? What are the ways to um, not have this fear anymore. And, you know, it kept the words exposure therapy kept coming up. And I know that that's a big help for a lot of people, but even knowing that that was one of the steadfast options, I was like, oh my God, I, I don't know if I can sit through that mm -hmm. again. I'm not, it doesn't bother me if someone's doing it around me, but you know, the right moment, the right time, you witness something, you do start to think about it and internalize it. And so for me, yeah. immediately I'm, I'm checking in with my systems, right? I'm like, okay, do we feel okay? Pressure points, are we good? <laughs> mm -hmm. No, I get you 100%. Exposure therapy was one of the biggest things that helped me out with kind of conquering my emetophobia in a way where I started off small with animals and babies and then I worked my way up yeah. to like um, just normal, you know, adult human beings throwing up and then it got there's like this this ending level where it's like uh, people drinking like a gallon of milk and then like you know throwing back up again and it's stuff like that where you just have to watch it and then mm. at the end of it you have to reassure yourself that everything's okay everything's okay right. i made it through i'm fine and we're gonna live on for another day and the more you do that the, the longer you do that it just becomes easier and easier and easier and then your mind almost kind of retrains itself to say you know that's not so negative anymore like it was at one point but now it's yeah. like it's almost nothing like it's just it is what it is you know so well, well kind of one of the biggest ways Totally. In, in the manual itself, one of the things that made me feel so excited about um, surviving or enduring living with this uh, was that, you know, there's a, a way to feel the gratitude that a body can save itself like this, the yeah. way that a body looks out for itself like this. It doesn't want to do it. It mm -hmm. really does not want to, but it's all part of a survival system yes. built with inside of us. So like if it if it's something the body absolutely has to do, it's doing it to help you. Yeah, 100%. No, I, I agree 100%. You know? And um, I want to touch on something too. Um, what is your diet like? Like what is your, your main like weekly diet? Like what do you eat on a normal basis? I'm just curious. When my, uh, when my emetophobia is bad, and mm -hmm. right now I'm in a good streak, but uh, okay. when it's bad, I eat so little deliberately yeah. i eat so little in fact one of the biggest challenges for me is always that evening last meal of the day because uh when it gets really bad i want to make sure that i i'm eating something with six to eight hours before i get to bed knowing that right. my system has digested it like people it can get that extreme and you're not alone mm -hmm. if you also do this um but on a regular day-to-day -day basis i try to eat a multiple small meals throughout the day i do a lot of proteins so i'll do like fish uh, that i cook that i prepare um I'll do a lot of eggs, um, fruits and veg. I do a lot of that. I'm trying not to indulge here and there in my love of deep, dark chocolates and sometimes oh, milk it's chocolates. Oh, so tough. But, it's oh, so hard. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> I, know. I love tough. it. 
and a lot of herbal tea. I'm trying yeah. to become that person right now. <laughs> yeah, me too. I got tea right next to me right now. I've been drinking it all day. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. It's awesome. So important for us, but diet no, and, is a huge part of it. Yeah. And I think that that was one of my biggest problems growing up was that my diet was absolutely terrible. Like I was either on this like binge of drinking soda every day or eating a bunch of candy. Cause it was like, I was so anxious and depressed that those were the things mm. that kind of were my comfort thing. So I'm just like, I'm just going to indulge all day and night and then feel terrible and then be more anx anxious and depressed. So now recently within the last couple of months, I've changed over to a completely vegan diet. I'm only vegan. I, I do eat sushi here and there. So I eat a little bit of crab. That's like my last little thing that I still continue to eat. But um, with the vegan diet, I do three smoothies a day with just fruits and vegetables in them. And then I'll go to work and I'll have like oranges and bananas and fruits and anything frozen is also, also good. So, but with, with that, I've had no more stomach aches. My anxiety is almost non-existent. I've had so much better, like social, um, interaction. Like I, I just feel better and I feel more confident in myself. And like, I just feel like my mentality, my stomach and my body are all in like tune with each other now and everything just mm. feels good and it's always happy. And I almost eat now whatever my body wants to eat. So like if I just feel like it, it, sometimes it wants bananas, sometimes it wants to eat like parsnips, for instance. I love the taste of parsnips now or snow peas. I've just um, gotten into snow peas. They're so good, crunchy. They like kind of almost like sugary mm. now. So it's yes, just been amazing. I love, I love the whole vegan well, style and it's awesome. It's, it's, it's amazing that sometimes it happens in various points of our life that we realize, Hey, we don't need to provide for ourselves the way that like our families did. Like I grew up eating giant portions of Same. everything, you know, like no. we're, we were Eastern, we're Eastern European Hungarian household. And so like, even after the passing of my mom, my dad would just feed these huge meals and no mm. one feels good after that. No, no one, no. no one feels good after that. It actually can affect your sleep and you know, what you're putting into you will be affecting how your body goes through its digestive process, the whole thing. So you don't need to continue to follow the routine that maybe you grew up with. And so yeah. learning that and kind of rewriting that for myself was a huge way of feeling more confident in even just the act of consuming. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a big one too. Cause I, I do know a lot of my friends that their families, they have huge family dinners or they're just yeah. simply going to McDonald's and buying, you know, $20 worth of food every night. And I'm just like, dude, you got to realize like your body is having a hard time breaking that stuff down. My guy, like you got to chill out on that stuff. So it's a tough one to teach. And I think a lot of us are brainwashed into this whole, like, you know, you got to have a healthy diet, which a healthy diet in this day and age is eat a ton of meat, yeah. a ton of um, potatoes and a ton of just like oily nasty stuff and it, it just right. it becomes such a problem over time that we don't realize until we're super sick and then we go to the hospital and we get some medication for it and then we go right back on with the same thing that was hurting us before and then we're like I wonder why we're still sick I wonder why. it's just it's a continuous cycle and I'm just so tired of seeing people go down that road you know so you just, just want to get America. You just described yeah, America. Basically, <laughs> basically, yeah. Right. So I always say it's it's called it's called the health industry for a reason. It's an industry. They're there to make money from you. They're not there to help you. You know what I mean? It's scary. So. Right. It's a business. It's an entire yeah. business, and it's a big it one is. in this country. It is. it is a big one. But you mm -hmm. know, people need to take all of that into account. Like you can eat 
to fit your specific needs and help you feel your best. And it's so yep. true that once you like dedicate, just try it, like try eliminating a few things or try working with a more strict meal plan itself. You do start to feel better. You yeah. know, you have to kind of play around and figure out what your body wants. But I know that playing around can be terrifying for mm -hmm. anyone with this. Like it, I, there were definitely moments and there have been, I call them eras because it's, it comes and goes, uh, where yeah. I would be very, very strict about, you know, eating, uh, very easy to digest foods, you know, the kind of foods mm -hmm. that you'd eat if you were a sick person. Yep. <laughs> and that doesn't help you in any way. No, does not. No, I do the same thing. And that was like one of my biggest problems. It was, it was always um, English muffins and peanut butter. That was like for oh two God. straight years. That's all I ate was that and just drank water. That was it. Wow. And then you're sitting and then you're sitting there saying, I hope that I never have to worry about being sick. And it's like, yeah, what are you really what are you nourishing yourself with? <laughs> I was so much more sick because of that. You know, it's like yeah. just gluten and sugar, because I mean, peanut butter is peanut butter, but it's also full of sugar. I mean, you're basically just totally. eating sugar all the time. So it's just bad. It was terrible. I don't know how I and, even and lived through that. No. And that's another thing there is that once you understand how these foods affect the body, you might understand a little bit more about where your panic and where your mm -hmm. body senses are coming from. Like sugar is something that ramps up your energy and your adrenaline. Um, you know, sugar itself is just a dangerous one. Caffeine. Yes. There's caffeine oh, yeah. in a lot of things, including some of the pain relieving medications that you're taking to like relieve a headache or something. Mm -hmm. There's caffeine in those and caffeine can also rev the system. And so when you're trying to get the body to calm down, when you're going into a panic, it's so important to remember that these things can contribute negatively to a, a system that's trying to stay calm and working on that practice. Yes, yes. Um, let's go into some coping mechanisms. What have you picked yeah. up over the years with emetophobia and how do you cope with it nowadays? Honestly, um, I did start using a, a medication called propranolol, which is okay. used for panic attacks. And it's something that's unfortunately so common in America. Yeah. I know a lot of people that manage their own stress and anxiety with it, but it was such a physical experience for me, anxiety, that I needed something in those really stubborn fits of anxiety. I needed something to take the body experience down take that nervous energy and just put it to a lull. So um, quite honestly, propanolol is something that has helped me during those really turbulent times. Sure. Um, I, I definitely know, like I said, all the points that you hold. Uh, breathing, I wanna say that like meditation has saved me. I wanna say it, <laughs> but I, I, it, I haven't gotten there yet. I feel I'm you, I'm in yet. the same boat. I like meditation and it does calm me down. But I still, I don't think I'm doing it enough to get the full effects from it. You know what I mean? Because it, it takes yeah. time and it's hard for me to just sit there for that 10, 20 minutes and just calm myself down. But I have been trying, you know, it's, it's one of those things. It's like, as long as you can do it every once in a while, it is yeah. what it is. So. I do like uh, I do like a guided meditation. That is something okay. I've been doing recently. So I will sometimes just YouTube guided meditation for anxiety or stress and they do versions of it that's like a body scan where you identify a little motion like wiggle your toe and then mm. you know uh you know uh, just flex the knee a little bit little ideas in the body that kind of take you out of the central tightness in the core and make yeah. you feel a little bit more relaxed all over so i'll do some of those some nights when it's like bad and i'm awake and thinking oh this is it um i'll turn on one of those guided meditations 
when I know when I used to have like, cause I, I'm, I'm in my eras as well. I know what you're talking about there. Yeah. Where like my first eight years or so were just absolutely horrendous, terrible time. And then after I started realizing what emetophobia, cause for eight years, I didn't even know what this was. I had no idea what to call it. No idea. Yeah. I was just like, dude, I have a frog in my throat every day. I feel yes. like I'm going to be nauseous. I have yes. panic attacks constantly. I can't go in public. I'm like, what is wrong with me, man? Like I was just losing my mind. And so once I finally like found the term emetophobia online, I just looked up all my symptoms. I just typed it all into Google. And the first mm -hmm. thing that came up was some, uh, it was like a medical article written by some college somewhere. And they were talking about how emetophobia and OCD disorders are going together hand in hand. And this was way back, like yeah. a long time ago. So, um, but once I figured it out, then I started to kind of, you know, build this snowball in my head and I'm like all right so this is what it is all right so what does it mm -hmm. do exactly how does it affect me and then I learned how to deal with anxiety and realized like okay let's spend a whole year learning about anxiety only and just yeah. figuring out how my anxiety works and so it's that's why I always try to tell people they message me and say well how do you fix it like what do you do and I'm like dude it's a long road like it's not just uh, overnight like okay you got it figured out now you're fixed you I mean it takes a lot of time and effort to get this back on track again and yeah. it's hard to explain that to people and not have them almost just feel defeated but it's one of those right. things where it's like you just either have to do it or you don't. And you, it, you're with it now. Like that's what emetophobia is with you for life. It just doesn't go away. So you either have yeah. to learn how to, to be friends with your demons or let them take over you. That's kind of what I say. So, and so well said, right? Because it does feel like a d demonic possession of sorts. Yeah, it's like, oh my real. gosh, this is everything. I have an identical twin sister. Get this. Um, no way. She, yeah, she also dealt with this emetophobia ongoing throughout life. And uh, a lot of the times we would participate in those like fits of panic together. And I'd say, we both had the same dinner. Are you going to be okay? Do you feel okay? Mm. You feel okay, right? And we would use that to gauge each other. But about five years ago, she, she had to and she did and she was wow. sick. And, uh, and ever since then, she has become this incredibly invincible, I'm not afraid of anything person. And I like, of course, I'm like, wow, is it that easy? Is it that? Is it really that easy? Is that everyone's journey that all of us that live with it, if we just experience it in a controlled, ideal setting, will we move through this? I don't know. I don't know because See, I'm not willing to risk it to find out, you know? It's scary. And I think that's everybody's thought too. Everybody's just like, I, cause I've had many a times where I'm just sitting there. I'm like, I just want to do it. Like, I just want to yeah. get it over with. Let me just do yeah. it. And then, but I just still cannot, I just cannot physically bring myself to do it. And the closest I came was, I, I've told this story before, but the 4th of July thing where I drank too much alcohol on the boat, got back. I was feel, felt great. Drank water, ate food all day. I was fine. As soon as I went to sleep though. And then I woke up the next morning, I had an incredible hangover and I started oh, drinking yeah. water. And every sip of water made it worse. And then I tried to eat some crackers. And then just as soon as it went down in my like throat, I was like, oh my God, I can just feel the nausea. Yeah. And so eventually though, it was like just uncontrollable um, dry heaving all of a sudden. Yeah. And I, I didn't actually like, you know, get sick or anything, but it was like just constant like gagging, you know what I mean? Which I couldn't control yeah. it. And that was the closest I've ever come to actually doing it since I've had emetophobia. And it really did change my mind on it. It really was like, I came way more at peace with it to be like, hey, it happened. I'm fine. I'm good. I came out with my day. Everything's okay now. Like it was just a weird little blip in my life. And yeah. I still think about it and I can almost replay it in my head now. Like it's one of those things where if you have a traumatic moment, you can just replay that same thing over and over. But I always put the, the connotation at the end of that. It was a positive experience because it's yeah. positive because I got through it. I'm fine. Like that's really yeah. what you have to no, do. No. Don't and let it eat away it. at you, you know? 
That's it. So. That's it. I, I very similar situation for me. I was in Mexico. I was filming uh, for my TV show. My camera guy and I wrapped our day of production and we went to the local restaurant and we were drinking tequila. Mm. My Ooh. gosh, that's that's wow. a heavy one. That's a strong. Yeah. I know. I look back on this. I'm like, who was that person? Who? Right. How were you that? How were you such a daredevil? But we're drinking tequila, and uh, I, it got to a point in the night where I said, okay, you know what? I'm definitely feeling it. I was loose, but I said I'm going to put myself to bed. So I head back to the hotel room, and I get in there, and I thought, uh oh, a little bit dizzy. It's a little mm -hmm. bit. It's a little dizzy in the room, and then you know though you are slightly intoxicated you're also thinking oh shit really yeah. like real really? life and comes I, back right real yeah. life comes back and so i i this is how much i understand this condition anyone listening i'm sorry i'm going to be very gentle about this i made my way to the the bathroom in this mexico hotel room and i just had a minute in front of the toilet seat mm. i had a minute there and i felt like we were seconds away from it I felt uh, a lot of the, I guess we would call it the rushing feeling, uh, mm -hmm. definitely that dry heave experience, and it didn't happen. I know. But in, that, like, but, in that, but in that moment, I was like, I am okay with everything. In that exact moment where you're at, you're assuming the fucking position, I was like, all right, it's happening, we're doing it, and it didn't happen. So yeah. I wonder, did it make things uh, worse for me moving forward that I got so close and it didn't happen. Would it have just been worth it to let it happen there? Did I hold mm. back? Right. You probably did un uh, like unconditionally. You probably did. Cause I did the same yeah. thing where like I, yeah. uh, cause I've had the flu before and I did yeah. not throw up the entire time I had the flu. I sat there and just yeah. held it in. And I, I think yeah. I've almost trained my body now to be like, that is a very bad thing. Do not even try to do that. And so it's almost yeah. impossible now. I feel like it's just crazy it's to me. <laughs> It's insane. I know I had the same experience, but it does feel good once you're done. You're like, hey, I fuck it. It's like going through battle and you just live at the end and you're like, I'm ready for the next battle now. Let's go. Like yeah. it's just kind of exciting, you know? So yeah, it's a and, form and of so exposure therapy in a way, you know. It is, it is, it's absolutely a form of exposure therapy. And like I I'll go back to this again. Let me, let me, this is Ken Goodman who wrote the Emetophobia manual, and I got this on Amazon. Some of the suggestions for like entry-level exposure therapy are, mm -hmm. no kidding, if you live with a roommate or you live with a partner, tell them to surprise you by going into the bathroom at some point of the day while you're both home and enacting the sounds from your bathroom. Yeah. Surprise you with it. Another one is uh, hold your own head over the toilet bowl just for you know a count of 30 and just be there. Another mm -hmm. one was fill, fill your mouth with some water and just spit it into the toilet bowl. Little, little things that seem so small and and silly yeah. in a way but you know they can help you get a little bit more comfortable around even the idea of a human sure. yourself experiencing it yeah i want to talk uh the cold shower thing i've been talking about a lot lately uh, wim mm. hof i've been learning a lot about wim hof and his uh, exercises the totally. cold showers it's almost like that whole putting water in your mouth and just like spitting it into the toilet it's like, you don't want to do it. It's going to suck. It's going to be so annoying and your body's not going to like it. But you know that when you're done, you come out a better person every time because yeah. it's just a little step forward. And the first time I did the cold shower, I had a really bad panic attack because like my body was not ready for that shock. It was bad. I was shaking so bad. And like, I just had a really bad panic attack. 
but the next one got easier and the next one after that. And now I can do it for like a minute and a half. I can stand in like the coldest water possible running down my back, my neck, my head, everything. And then when I get out, I'm just like, Oh, like it just, I feel amazing. I feel like a new man. And it's like hop out, dry off. I'm good to go. And then I'm on for my day. And it's, it's like the most exhilarating experience, but it just, for some reason, it's just been helping me so much lately Mm. with get over my fears of things. Cause it's like, I, 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 right now, like when you go to take a shower, the next time you take a shower, really think about it when you're in there in that nice warm shower, turning it all the way to cold and just see what it's going to feel like. Think about how annoying and scary that is. But then when you do it and you get out and you're fine, it's just one of those ways that you're training your body to that. You're okay. You're okay. in terrible situations are going to be fine. Like everything's good. So so I love it. I, I, I also think it's a healthy way of exhausting the the panic supply in the body. Um, yeah. That's why that's why a lot of you know medical mental health professionals will also say exercising is a good one um, mm-hmm. because it's all it's a lot of nervous energy inside of us and that's what usually breeds one of my panic attacks is that if I've had too many days just sitting on the couch and dwelling and not getting out and using the energy that my body produces and it produces a shit ton of energy sure. then it, it finds really evil conniving ways to exhaust itself by creating this panic in me. So I'm like, I can't stress it enough. If you try to exhaust in a healthy way, exhaust that panic, whether it's the cold shower, whether it's doing some cardio, whether it's going out for that really long walk, whether it's quite honestly, I'm going to say this masturbation, finding ways to exhaust that energy in the body can bring relief and minimize some of the severity of those attacks. And that's worked for me big time. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I want to talk about what it's like traveling. You said you, you went to Mexico, you've oh. been on planes, you've been on buses, yeah. been on boats. Yeah. How, how scary is that with the metaphobia and how has it affected you? I travel all the time. I have gone on serious, uh, global travels for my job. And, mm-hmm. um, like I said, there's eras where it's totally fine. I hop on that plane. I get excited. I sit down. Maybe I'm traveling with someone that usually helps if I've got someone who's on the road with me. Um, but if I'm in the worst of my head spaces and I'm traveling, of course, I'm going to take uh, an anti-anxiety pill just sure. right out of the gate. I'm going to take one of those. I try to prepare myself by building confidence. And how do I do that? By knowing I'm eating good, healthy food. So if you're running late for the plane, don't just run for that strange bit on the shelf for you don't know how long item and then sit there wondering, oh my God, is this going to happen? No, no. Take care of the decisions that you make along the way. So you go into it feeling your best. Um, I, I can't, I can't lie. There have been some horrendous experiences uh, being on airplanes when other people are having uh, their moments, um, yeah. just cause you're in that, you're in that trapped encounter in the trapped enclosure, you know, you're, sure. you're, you're trapped there with it. And when you're seated, um, near someone who is having trouble, even keeping the gravel down that the flight attendant gave them. And you're like a row away from them, not pleasant. Mm-hmm. And yeah. those moments is where I say noise, canceling headphones, do the, the pressure pulses. I do some breathing. Um, I'll even, I'll, I'll like hum to myself. That's a big one. I love to hum to myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. It kind of brings attention to, uh, you know, a different part of my body and I get a vibration going. And that to me can be a little bit more useful than trying to do um, the, the, the rhythmic breathing that a lot of meditation experts get you going on. But yeah. I, it's, you know, it's, it's always, it's always a, 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 a little challenge in my mind. I go, okay, we're getting onto this. We have no control over the other people on this plane. We really yeah. don't. It's the biggest scare for everybody. 
Yeah, it's yeah. tough. Yeah. I'm 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 working my way up to that here. I we haven't really planned a vacation yet, but I yeah. do plan on one day going somewhere far away because we live in Michigan and yeah. I would like to go down to like Florida or California and just visit because I'm a big skateboarder. I like skateboarding a lot. And those are oh places God, that yeah. in the wintertime here, I want to go down and see some cool skateboarding. I do a lot of uh, filmmaking myself with skate clips and everything. So oh, um, yeah. So I just, I want to make a trip there, but I don't know if I want to drive. I kind of want to do take a plane. And it's like one of those yeah. like next step in my emetophobia journey to say like, I did it. I flew on a plane. It's even like yeah. nerve wracking thinking about it right now. It's like, oh my gosh, it's well, so scary. You know, it, it, it's, it's so funny because uh, one of the regular flights that I do for my job is from New York to Los Angeles, New York to LA, New York to LA, LA to New York. And that flight has one of the most consistent experiences of turbulence in it. And I'll tell mm. you, it's as you go over, uh, as you're passing Colorado, I okay. think so. I don't, I hope no geographers are like, you don't ever <laughs> pass Colorado as you're, as you're passing a mountainous region, let's sure. say on the journey from New York to LA, there's always, there's always about two to three minutes of turbulence. You can set your fucking clock to it. It is so mm -hmm. reliable. And sometimes it's a little bit, sometimes it's a lot of bit, but I have to go on that plane every time knowing we're going to hit that moment. And on the way back, you don't get it as much, but on the way from New York to Los Angeles, I swear it is one of the things that I can count on in this life so accurately is that. So like I, I make sure that I time everything, including the meditation that I use to cope, including um, a lot of the planes now do actually have meditation recordings that you can listen to. Um, That's cool. Not like not like Spirit Airlines, but you know, if you take <laughs> a, a Jet JetBlue or um, uh, Air Canada, one of those bigger carriers, you actually can on their channels find a meditation one, and I'll always turn that on. It's the Headspace app, and you just sit. And yeah, you get okay. through those two to three minutes. And it really, that's all it is. And, you know, it's funny when you're in that moment of turbulence and the captain comes on the radio and he just says, all right, we're experiencing some, some turbulence right now. I'm always going, oh, fuck, here we go. <laughs> but I look around and these flight attendants, they are heroes to people like me for the, yeah. the sake that they can keep going up and down the aisles and they don't have a, an ounce of fear on their face. They are mm -hmm. so ready to just say, everything's okay. This is temporary. Yeah. I, I would even try to put myself in the pilot's shoes and just be like, imagine being him <laughs> right now. You know, like at least I just get to sit here and deal with it. He's got to fly through that shit. You know, it's scary. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's tough. <laughs> it is. We can handle it though. You know, we, yeah, uh, I think, no. I think it's, it's the awareness is such a big one um, that this, it is a, a condition that can be present and can follow us and return to us. But there are so many wonderful ways to cope. And the biggest one has been community. The memes that you share on your Instagram have literally put me onto a completely different perspective when it comes to living with this, when it comes to managing this. Oh, good deal. Good deal. It. I steal them all love from it. Reddit, just so you know. Is that right? <laughs> oh yeah. They're all on Reddit. If you want to see them, even more of them, there's like millions of them. I just take them all the time. I hate it because it's like, I don't want to steal other people's work, but I mean, it's helping somebody somewhere. And today, for instance, somebody commented on it and said, Hey, this is a meme I made. I was like, Oh, well, I'll tag you in it. Like, no problem. It was weird. I was Perfect. like, I, I mean, I do follow a ton of emetophobia related people. So I'm like, I bound to run into one of them that made one of these memes at some point. So it was kind of cool to yeah. see that. But yeah. um, so let's, Let's talk a little bit about um, childhood. I know you talked about your mom a little bit. Yeah. Um, let's talk about like, what was it like growing up for you? What, what was everything like? 
Uh, well, everything growing up, I realized that as soon as we lost our mom and we were in a three person family, so my twin sister, myself and my father, um, we became very much a group of friends as opposed to like the parental unit and the children of the family. Like it was all about keeping the peace. Mm -hmm. And we watched a lot of movies together. We, we did a lot of things together as a family unit. Um, except talk about grief, except talk about how was everybody doing emotionally. So I learned very early how to bottle and how to compress and how to take on and absorb uh, all of the the hurt or the disagreements. Um, so I think a lot of that built up inside of me, which is still the panic that lives in me today that surfaces when it does. Um, and, and I, I've tried to come to peace with it. I don't want to be angry at my father. I mean, I can't imagine being in his position in this circumstance. You know, yeah. it's, 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 a, it's a challenging one. But I do wish that there had been more dialogue in the environment around me, whether it was neighbors, whether it was my other family members, whether it was teachers at school. Everyone continued to use the idea of you are so strong, you are so mature, it's it's incredible how you've uh, survived this. And I think that that really cancels out the opportunity for the person experiencing grief to talk about it and to even bring it to light. Mm -hmm. So instead, you know, you live this childhood that is very, very, you're told you're mature. So you can't really have a childhood. You're, you're applauded for how mature you are and you equate yeah. maturity to, oh, we don't talk about feelings. So you go into adulthood continuing to be mature as you understand it, which is not talking about things that hurt or make you sad or make you scared. Yeah. I was scared so much as a kid being mm -hmm. in that in hospitals, especially like they're scary places. So seeing that, and of course, anyone who has seen a loved one go through cancer, especially a vicious kind, one that travels throughout the body and turns into other cancers, it is horrifying. It's unlike anything else. And so that yeah. transformation of my mother was haunting. It's still haunting to this day. Physically and emotionally, she became a completely different person. So I grew up not, not talking about how scared I was, how much that impacted me. And you get this control hang up, just hold on to all of that, hold on to all of it. Like, I totally understand why I have this emetophobia. I understand why yeah. <laughs> I've, done the, I've done the lineage and I'm like, yeah, you vulnerability is a terrifying concept for you because it's never been permitted. Yeah. And I, I've learned as, as being a man growing up, um, like as a little boy, I was always told, you know, don't cry. Just don't, you're yeah. being a pussy. Stop it. Like get over yeah. it, get over it all the time. My dad's a biker. He's a very like burly, big six foot seven, big dude. You know, he's a very intimidating guy. Um, and so Hot. him and my mom both were oh yeah, always very like, you know, just shut up, just go outside and play. Just, you know, don't deal with your emotions. Don't ever do that. So now as a man, I'm unlearning that trying to say like, yeah. I want to be vulnerable. It's, it's like, it's in my best interest to be vulnerable to people and just be like, Hey, like I'm sad. I'm scared. I don't feel good. I don't want to, you know, deal with this right now. Like, it's just, the more I talk about it, the more comfortable I get talking about it. And I think I meet a lot of these men nowadays with this big ego of just like, no, I'm fine. 
I'm just fine. And I'm like, mm. no, you're not, dude. Just cry. If you need to cry, just yeah. fucking cry, dude. Like, just cry yeah. it out. I bet it would feel so good if you did. You probably haven't done that in 20 years, man. Like, you need to just let your shit out. And, like, now that I have uh, my new girlfriend's been awesome. We've been together for a year now. She's oh. super supportive, loves talking to me about these things. I'm very just open with her about everything that's been bothering me. And uh, it's just been, like, just crazy. I love being able to be vulnerable now. And I just want to teach that to more men to say like, Hey man, cause that's another thing that Wim Hof teaches mm. is to be a vulnerable person. He's like, when you're in the ice in your underwear, you're, you're, you've never been more vulnerable in your entire life, man. Cause they get in ice baths full of ice and just sit there with each other as men. And then afterwards give each other hugs. They're like, yo, you guys are amazing. Thank you so much for being with this experience with me. Totally. And I just love that camaraderie. And I think more men need to feel that way because we all feel so alone now. It's very, and especially as a man with a metaphobia, I'm kind of a weird situation because um, my podcast is, I think, 89% women that listen to my mm -hmm. podcast. So there's not very many men that are involved in this. Um, so I just want to like, you I, know, I try to, you know, that there, are, you know, that there are more men that need to listen to this, yes, that want yes. to listen to this, but they're just like up against this wall with themselves being mm -hmm. like, we don't go there emotionally, or I'm not going to seek out any investigation of what something that could be helpful to me. And uh, that's a, a, a massive uh, destroyer of potential when it comes to leading a life that is your happiest, a life that is the most fulfilling, because fulfillment really is uh, a full spectrum of both the lows and the highs, in my mm -hmm. philosophy anyways. That's fulfillment. Yes. You know, you learn to love deeper and enjoy higher highs when you're able to go to the lower lows. Um, so that, you know, when you limit yourself to such a small fraction of emotion, you're limiting yourself from feeling your absolute best, experiencing yeah. the highest of highs. Yes. And then you add on the alcohol and drugs with that to kind of suppress mm -hmm. all of the rest of the emotions you could ever feel. Now you're just nothing. You have nothing yeah. left. And it, you become yeah. this depressed person who's like on the road to suicide. And that's a scary situation for most men. And it's a very realistic thing nowadays. Like a lot of men yeah. I talk to are literally like, dude, I mean, I could die tomorrow and not give a shit. And I'm like, what? Like, that is a problem, dude. You don't realize. And it's almost like a funny joke now to people. And it's like, dude, that is so scary to think about. Like you have an entire family and children and a house and everything. I mean, you got all this stuff going for you, dude. Like, why would you want to do that? And it's just hard to kind of fathom sometimes how you would even get to that point. But I understand it because a lot of us grow up with the whole, you're being a pussy. Don't cry. Yeah. Stop showing your emotion. And it's one of those things that like me as a, I want to become a father one day, I'd be on a good father. And I want to teach my kids how to, you know, use their emotion for good and not bad. Be able to just talk yeah. to me and say, Hey, I'm sad, dad. Like, I don't feel good right now. I want to talk about this and be a person. That's not going to be like, you just go outside and play. I don't have time for this shit. I want to be there and say, what's up, man. Like, let's talk it's about so it. True. You know? it's, it's a huge so thing. True. And, and we, as, as young people, when you are at that really influential stage of life, when you're just, you're having your awakening, you're, you're coming of age, everything leaves an imprint on you, especially the way you learn the world through your parents or through the people that are raising you. Like you pick up so much of that. And uh, my, my father struggles with stress. He's a stress mm. case. He's always been managing his stress, whether it's through medications or doing um, stress reduction classes. And so I remember growing up, my dad would many times when it was just the three of us, my sister and him and myself, uh, we would be driving somewhere like out to a dinner or going to the mall or we'd be driving and he would have to pull the car over on the side of the road or just stop in the middle of traffic because he was having heartburn. He was having um, a, a chest pain. He was always convinced mm that he's having a heart attack or something. And so witnessing that, 
also left a huge imprint on me about the idea of, oh my gosh, the body can just attack you like that. I'm so afraid. Like he would get out of the car, run to a nearby pharmacy or walk into a restaurant and just say, I need a glass of water because I'm having heartburn. And it was all stress induced. Yeah. All of it is stress induced. And so sitting in the backseat of that car while the engine's running in the middle of traffic as a, an 11, a 12 year old, and he's, you know, running, trying to find a glass of water that has an effect on a young person about yes. how, how they handle emergency and stress and what you need to be afraid of. The body reaction is something to be afraid of. This is how I learned that, you know, bodies can attack us and things like heartburn or being sick that can be tumultuous. Like, mm -hmm. obviously that's how I'm going to feel about it. Yeah. That's really tough. I've actually, I have a um, doctor's appointment coming up soon because I have the same thing where I've been having mm -hmm. chest pains for a while. And I used to do um, spray foam. So it's like an insulation company I worked for and it's, it's a two-part chemical. You spray it on the wall and it becomes like a foam and it, it yeah. insulates buildings. And doing that for so long, I did it for a year straight and I only used my left um, arm to do it. And it's a pretty heavy gun and you're just moving up and down in that motion constantly. Mm -hmm. So I, I can't tell if it's a pulled muscle in my chest or if it's something to do with my arm, but like my arm will go numb all the time. It starts like tingling, like a heart attack feeling. Mm -hmm. My chest starts hurting and it like it's a pain that moves around in my chest a little bit. And it's been like that for however long I can remember it. Since I was a little kid, I used to eat French fries at McDonald's and it would make my chest hurt. So I just, I don't know if it's something physically wrong with my heart itself or if it's just stress, but I've been so afraid to go to the doctor because I'm like, well, cause you, you were saying too about how your body can attack you. I yeah. believe that your body is not supposed to attack you. It's supposed to be able to heal you. So I'm mm -hmm. like, I want to just eat a good diet, drink water, sleep well, take care of myself and see if I can fix this. And it's been getting better, but I'm still worried that there's something wrong. So I'm just like, I just want to go in for the, the, just the, the fact of being like, do an x-ray. Let me know what's wrong. If there's something wrong, totally. I want to know about it. If not, like, I'll just move on with this and we'll deal with it. But it's just a scary situation. I haven't been to the doctor I, in 10 I, years. I, it's scary. You gotta go. You gotta I'm scared. go. Oh, oh man. I, I'm trust terrified. me. I was, I was really afraid of the doctor for years and years and years and years from like the ages of maybe 10 to 15. I was like, can't go to the doctor, not interested in an annual physical. I don't want to be there. And I don't yeah. remember what my fear about it was. Um, perhaps the idea of being vulnerable. I don't know. It was something yeah. that I was like, I, I, I just don't want to do it. I don't want to go to it, but, um, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe do you, could, do you think it could be, uh, some kind of a stress indicator? Could it be something that's not muscular and physical, but something that might be related to your body experiencing a, a, a stress of sorts? I just, I can't pinpoint it because it's so mm. random. Like it's yeah. so random. It doesn't happen when I'm like, I mean, it, I guess it does happen more when I'm super stressed out, but it also happens when I'm just sitting around doing nothing. You know, it's like, it just, it's one of those things where I, I really am chalking it up to the fact that I'm not as active as I should be. Like mm -hmm. I work as a janitor at night. So I clean buildings at night. That's like my day job. And, um, during the day, I try to go on walks every day, but sometimes I don't. So I'm just like, maybe my heart's just not super strong because I'm so inactive. Mm. Like I just, I don't know. It's one of those like with emetophobia, you always overthink everything. So I'm, <laughs> I'm doing that now with everything in my life. And so it's just like one of those things where like, I just need to put it in a doctor's hands and be like, tell me what's wrong with me, dude. So like true. I just need to figure it out. Scary it's so stuff. true. It's so true. So tell me with living with this, are you, I know you're an herbal tea dude as well. Are you someone that has like all the digestive teas, all the peppermint teas, all the tummy teas? I have a whole wall yes. of that shit. 
<laughs> no, my, my girlfriend's been the big one into tea lately. So she's the one that got me into tea. So I'm just yeah. now kind of learning about what it all does and how it helps you. So it's, it's been exciting though. But right now I'm just on this, uh, it's like a sleepy time tea. It's like a calming tea and it really does make me feel calm all day. I like it. It's really and nice. That's I, so important. Yeah. I do a lot of research on the fruits and vegetables I put into my smoothies. That's what I try to get my gut biome happy with. And then my intestines happy with, and it's been working. I've also, I put Miralax in all of my smoothies now, like once a day I put Miralax in there nice. and it just kind of helps everything get through me. And it makes it so that my intestines don't have those like super bad cramps. Cause like when you're just eating straight up vegetables without cooking them, like just grinding them into a yeah. smoothie, that shit's hard on your body. Like you, you know, I'm it not is. used to breaking that stuff down. So it really hurts sometimes, but that Miralax helps to just kind of loosen everything up, keeps everything happy yeah. down there and we're good to go. So that's it. It's been nice. That's it. Yeah. And, and, you know, just everyone listening uh, or watching, remember that the stomach empties on the left side of your body. So if you are feeling a fear or a nervousness, do you want to make it easier on your body to help digestion? Lay on your left side, which on your screens is looking like my right, but on your <laughs> left side, um, that's actually been a really wonderful trick for me. If I am feeling a little bit like something I ate, um, it's not going to make me sick, but I don't know, maybe a little gassy or something. I don't know. Just do the left side lean, have some tea, try one of those peppermint anti-inflammatory ginger based, one of those digestive teas, and you'll yeah. be surprised how quickly it'll sort you out. I learned that when I was a kid, actually, like, I don't even know where I learned that from, maybe just like on the computer at some point in my life. But I've had that in my head for at least 15 years now, just like, <laughs> every course. time I get, I'll be like laying on my right side. And I'm like, man, I have a cramp and I'll instantly switch right over to the left side. I'm like, all right, I gotta just for some reason, it does work, though, it really does help make it not hurt so bad. So and of course, of course, we know this, right? Because yeah. we live with this shit in our head all the time. Yeah. No, <laughs> I got I got a quick question for you too. Like, when you're in public, and somebody like you have a friend with you or something, and they're like, man, you know, don't feel very good right now do you try to make them feel better do you give them like water and mints and like crackers and stuff are you one of those kind of people the world stops first and yeah. foremost if i hear that someone's not really feeling great i try and do a whole backtrack with them on what could have led them to this point i'm like let's stop so what kind of not yeah. good are you feeling what exactly. are you feeling okay well have you hydrated yourself accurately what was the last thing you did eat okay well what was yesterday what was your sleep like like i automatically I don't know if it's selfishly that I'm trying to make sure that I didn't set myself up to also take on this feeling if I don't feel great. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm, I'm always wanting to do the investigative work and be like, what brought us here? And don't worry, I, I'm always like, I'll make the rest of the day about them. Yep. Let's go get you something to start feeling better. I promise it's just this. Why do we do yeah. that? I don't know. I've actually had people kind of get mad at me. They're like, dude, I just, my stomach hurts. I'm good. Like, I'm fine. I'm like, no, no, I, there's something wrong. We got to figure this out. Like, you need some pretzels. I'll get you some pretzels. Do you want, and I just do everything I would do for myself to make myself feel yeah. better in those moments. And I'm like, I have mints. You want a mint? He's like, why would I want a mint? I'm like, I don't know. It's just so do you funny. want a mint? Like, it's just crazy. It's so funny because to, so to you know, other to other people that don't have this fixation that we do, it's just a stomach ache, you know? Yeah. Like who, who cares where it came from? Or I like, just it's the don't end of the really world for great. me, man. Like that's yeah. right. That's right. So I need I'm always like, well, what led us here? Okay. Yeah. What what step along the way brought you to this? Let's try and solve it. You know, let's sit you down, let's get you feeling good. Let me undo a couple buttons for you, fan you. Yep. You know, here in New York City, trust me, you're surrounded by so many people that if you end up going out late one night and you take the train, the subway back to wherever it is. Oh, you live, I cannot imagine. Holy you, shit. you almost can't avoid, you know, yeah. you just 
it's unavoidable. So mm. that's, that's no, helped me it. a lot, actually, being in a city that it's just kind of, it's part of the ecosystem here. It happens. Yeah. Dirty and grimy up there in New York. No, I, I'm mm. in uh, Northern Michigan. So we're very, very open areas, lots of woods around here, lots of water. I'm like gorgeous, right where Lake Michigan is. I can basically like go downtown and we're in Lake Michigan. So it's kind of awesome oh. to be where I am now, but it's very expensive. Awesome. I, I can imagine New York's probably very expensive. Oh as my well, God. But... Are you kidding me? Oh, <laughs> this is an unbelievable bank sucker. It's just oh, like, it's I, got, I it's got its teeth on your finances and it's like, let me have it. It's New York city. They love it here. Yes. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about what you actually do for work and I'm a little more into detail yeah. about that. Sure. So um, I, I obviously when I'm in studio, I'll be on a green screen telling you the news. And mm -hmm. because it's uh, a show called Naked News, I start in a business suit and then I undress as the story is unfolding. We also handle go. a very we handle a very specific kind of news. I mean, you don't, the audience watching our show does not want to hear about a school bus of children that just fell over sure. and, 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 yeah. and exploded. They don't want to hear that. They actually, we don't talk about mass murder and we don't talk about anything with anyone involving underage anything. Um, so it is kind of a lighthearted news, but over my years with them, I've decided um, I wanted to do more. I wanted to do some more investigative journalism. So I started creating some of my own series for Naked News, whether they're travel based, whether they have been red carpet features, like I like to go to a lot of awards shows, whether they are for the adult industry or whether it's the Toronto Film Festival. I love the idea of shotgun question and answer on a red carpet. To me, that is just so much fun and it's a great way of getting a sense of someone. Um, but I'm also a, a huge advocate for um, understanding and exploring an individual's sexuality. I think that it's just a huge realm and, and area of our lives that we can learn so much about ourselves, what drives us, what rewards us, what excites us. Um, mm -hmm. And I know that so many people are terrified uh, or resistant to doing that work. So I speak to a lot of sex educators. I speak to a lot of advocates for sex workers or people in the business. I talk to a lot of porn stars. And so I love doing interviews and, and learning about their perspective and the kind of challenges they're up against. That's awesome. That's really awesome. I, <laughs> um, I have primarily been subscribed to um, polyamory for the last few years. I've been really learning a lot more about it and not so much the sexual side of things, but more or less just the um, not feeling bad about having feelings for other people while I'm in a relationship. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not in a way of, I want to leave my partner for them, but in a way of just like, I'm allowed to, you know, if a girl flirts with me at the coffee shop, I'm allowed to say, Hey, thank you. You know, and not feel yeah. bad about it. And I'm able to talk to my significant other about that and say, Hey, I had a good time. It was kind of a confidence booster. It's awesome. And yeah. well, just to feel more comfortable in life. You know what I mean? So that's, that's the goal here. And I think it, that what you're saying right there even ties into some of what we've been discussing on this episode, the idea of reducing stress, mm -hmm. because there's so much about the structure of the world that we've built for ourselves that can cause us stress, that can bring us anxiety, that can incite something that feels like a nausea attack. And uh, a lot of the times we do have differing feelings about the kind of relationship we want and the terms within that relationship. Now, it doesn't mean that every single person in a monogamous relationship is looking to get out of it. But right. we are starting to see more individuals uh, explore and discuss some alternatives to, yes, monogamy, um, and also just the kinds of conversations and expectations we have within our partnerships. 
Yeah. And it's, t- and I, I learned a lot more about sex positivity before. Cause I mean, I used to be the guy who's like, well, that's a weird thing to be into, blah, blah, blah. But yeah. it's like, you know, is it really weird? It's weird for me, but it's not weird for them. So it's like, you kind of have yeah. to just be accepting and open-minded about things. And over the years, I, my ex was very into OnlyFans and doing a lot of online sex work. So I got really into that as kind of like her manager in a way, you know, because I'm cool. like, I want to help out. Yeah. Like, sure, let's do this. And um, so it was just kind of exciting to learn about that. I had an old roommate who got into Pornhub and started making porn videos and helped him along that route because I I like the logistics of things. I don't necessarily like doing Mm -hmm. them myself. I just like figuring shit out. It's always fun. This is the only thing, this podcast is the only thing I've ever really like dived into completely and been like, I want to do this myself. Like, this is my thing. I can do it. Yeah, you're great at it. You're great at it. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. You're really great at it. You're so easy to talk to. Holy shit. I love it. Like, it's just, it's, it's so easy. Maybe it's because we're bonding on this like really vulnerable thing together but i've like, noticed it's just, that yeah yeah it, yeah it really i get really personal with people that i've never like people who live in the uk i've talked to them and it's like very easy to talk to them and i'm like we have nothing in common other than emetophobia yeah. but somehow we can find a ton to talk about and it's very exciting i um it's a weird little story i don't think i've ever told this on the podcast but i had a, a one night stand with a girl uh from tinder at one point in my life same name as me had the same first name it was super weird and i showed up to her house and um we had like sat down and she's like here you want a beer and i noticed that there was a pack of gum and a pack of mints sitting right next to her on the table and i was like that's weird like it's an odd thing to just have because i've never seen anybody with that like just so readily available right there and so we talked about it for a little bit and then all of a sudden we had a couple beers and i'm just sitting there talking to her and i'm like yeah, I just, just so you know, like, I'm a little anxious, a little nervous, but I have this thing called emetophobia, and her face just lit up. She was like, what? And I'm like, yeah, I have emetophobia, and she's like, so do I, and I, like, when people say that, usually I'm just like, do you really, though, or are you just, like, afraid of, you know, right. throwing up or whatever, and she, to a T, explained it to me, like, it was, like, it was, like, my own thing, and I'm like, holy shit, this is crazy, and so we connected on this crazy level that night, where, like, I've never connected with somebody that quickly, that yeah. fast, you know, but so be it. She uh, moved down to a different part of the state and completely ghosted me the oh. next day. And it, was, it is what oh. it is. But it was one of those times where I'm just like, that was so nuts. Like, how did I meet somebody over Tinder who has the same thing I have, like to a T? And like, even I watched her when, when I first got there, um, mm-hmm. she had only had just opened a beer and she was very reluctant to open another one. It was like weird about it. I'm like me too. Like, I don't know if I want to have another one because I might get yeah. sick. So it was like this <laughs> thing where we both were on like the same level completely. So I just, I've never connected with somebody like that before. It's insane. But. It really is. It's an incredible feeling, right? Uh, it's, yeah. it's a beautiful feeling. It really, you, mm-hmm. you, you, you're not on that solo island out there afloat, you know, you're, you're <sighs> with people. Sun is right in my face. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's been, uh, it's been a very exciting situation with this whole podcast and the Instagram and everything. I just started a YouTube channel as well. So I'll be posting a lot of these podcast episodes Amazing. on the YouTube channel. So it's going to be awesome. But before Amazing. we do go, is there anything you want to tell the viewers or any last um, conversation notes you want to bring up before we go? It, it comes and goes, people. Those of you listening, I hope that some of you felt, uh, I hope all of you felt some form of a relief during this conversation. I know I did because talking about it really makes it easier. Um, so talk to people that you trust and that you love about this and definitely look into uh, how to manage anxiety because it might be an anxiety issue before you immediately write off the rest of your life dealing with uh, you know, this, this horrible sickness, this mind sickness. Please investigate how you're managing your anxiety and your stress levels because it makes it so much easier. Yeah, I got to say one more thing before we go as well, that 
I think the biggest thing that's helped me out with my emetophobia is kind of keeping, I call it my levels, right? So mm -hmm. if my levels are out of line and they're not up to par, then I'm not feeling okay. So it's like, I start with my food. Am I good on food? Did I eat enough food today? Did I eat the right kinds of food? Did I stick to my plan? Did I do all that right? Then it goes on to, did I drink enough water? Do I have mm -hmm. plenty of water in my system? Yes, that's good. Um, have I gone to the bathroom today? <laughs> like, do I, do I need to go do that? Have I taken a shower? Have I spent enough time on myself and on my self-growth for the day? Have I learned enough things? Have I listened to podcasts? Have I done the things I wanted to do? Have I had social interactions today that have helped me in some sort of way to talk to somebody, whether it be my girlfriend, my friends, my mom, anybody? And then at the end of the day, it's, have I had a good day? Have I been able to, like, if I was going to write something in a journal, would I have some things to write down that were positive today? And if not, mm -hmm. then I just think about those positive things that happened. And then it's on to sleep. And then I wake up the next day, did I get enough sleep? And then it's rinse and repeat for the rest of your week. And at the end of the week, you're just like, hey, my life's back on track again. Like, if I just keep these things going every day, my levels are all full. I'm all happy. My metaphobia has almost been non-existent. So That's it's a huge right. part of it. Huge part That's of it. That's right. That's right. There's a life to live. People go get it. <laughs> yeah. So where can, uh, where can people find you and, and any uh, shameless plugs you want to plug before you go? Love it. Um, so you can find me on any of your social media platforms. I'm Laura Desiree, but my uh, handle is Laura X Desiree. Um, you can also find me at nakednews.com. You can find me on the cam Four radio network hosting their licked and loaded podcast. Uh, so please do come and find me uh, and let's be friends. And thank awesome. you so much for having me. <laughs> thank you too. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. We'll have to do a part appreciate two sometime. It. Yes, I want to. I would love that. Awesome. Awesome. Have awesome. a wonderful day. You as well. See ya. What a solid podcast episode. I'm so glad to have Laura on the podcast today and talk about her struggles and her story and everything that she talked about. We really covered so much stuff and brought so much value to you guys. If you like this podcast and you had a good time listening, please go over to any podcast player, rate the podcast, give us a review, let me know what you guys think. Um, you can also visit my website at emetophobias.com. Um, there is a new live chat feature on there. It's kind of cool so you guys can talk amongst yourselves if you'd like or ask questions or whatever. The chats delete after 24 hours, so um, kind of anonymous. I think you can just put whatever name you'd like as well. There's no sign up involved. It's just a name and whatever you want. Um, uh, we also have new blog posts up on the website now. I'm uploading them every day from uh, my listeners. They send in blog posts. They go up on the website. I'm trying to share people's stories and help somebody if I can. Um, if you like the podcast, please, like I said, go give us a review. Check me out on Instagram at The Emetophobia Podcast. You can also send all of your emails to Podcast at gmail.com. I really, really look forward to hearing from you. Send me your stories. Send me the love. Send me whatever you want. I appreciate you guys. Thank you all for the support, and we'll see you on the next podcast. Let's go.